I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a first-time reader go through each of the 14 books in the series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you have not read Robert Jordan's Lord of Chaos, please proceed with caution. You want to know what the Great Lord told me? Very well. But it stays here, held close. Since Samael chose to stay away, he learns nothing, nor do the others, whether alive or dead. The first part of the Great Lord's message was simple. Let the Lord of Chaos rule. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we're talking about the prologue of Lord of Chaos. Note, I have not read past the prologue. And I'm going to try not to talk about the rest of Lord of Chaos or the other eight books. So as long as you've read through the prologue, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend you pause here and go to read. Unless you're okay with spoilers. Yeah, I mean, if you're okay with spoilers, then carry on. All right, as always, chapter summary, not chapters, chapter summary from dragonmount.com. At Sheol Ghul, Demandred is met by an unusual murderer calling itself Shaidar Haran, meaning Hand of the Dark. The Dark One demands Demandred's report and orders him to unleash Balefire in his service, dangling the promise of promotion to Nabeless. In Saladar, Nynaeve Almira delves Swan Sanche and Leanne Sheriff, trying to figure out a way to heal them. Since Nynaeve cannot channel unless angry, she wears the bracelet that connects her to the captive Mogedian, channeling through her. Elaine Tracan joins them, furious that the Saladar Aes Sedai are excluding her from the embassy to the Dragon Reborn in Camelon. She finds Min and asks her to carry her letter to Rand in her stead. Fail Nibashir Tebara holds court in place of her husband Perrin. The people worry about the unseasonable heat, which most see as the touch of the Dark One. Perrin is restless and feels the Taviran tug of Randall Thor. Fael agrees they should go to him. Gawain Trakand and his younglings, who sided with Elida in the White Tower coup, meet a peddler who claims both Queen Morgaze and the daughter heir Elaine are dead at Randall Thor's hand. Katarin Alruddin and a group of other Aes Sedai strike a deal with the Wise Ones of the Shido Ail, led by Savannah. Savannah plans to use a Turangriol given her by Samael to help the Shido conquer the wetlands. Queen Morgaze, having fled to Amadesia, is received by King Aelron. Pedrid Nile, Lord Captain Commander of the Children of the Light, offers to help her take Camelin, at a cost. Pedrid Niles orders Jacob Cardin, Inquisitor of the Hand of the Light, to use Fear of Dragonsworn to unite Altara and Murindi under the Children of the Light. Morgaze is approached by Andorin Piter Connell, whose uncle wants to help her escape. Demandred tells Masana, Semarag, and Grandal that the Dark One ordered them to let the Lord of Chaos rule. Two newly resurrected Forsaken, now called Osangar and Arangar, are given orders by the mysterious Shaidar Haran. All right, Lord of Chaos. Yeah. We managed to get through five books, and now the first episode of Lord of Chaos is just the prologue. It was a three-hour prologue. It was a three-hour prologue. Very long. I don't know Lots why. Lots of POV. Eleven. I counted it. Eleven points of view in one chapter, essentially. Yeah. Way more. I, I don't know. We've definitely gotten eleven total, at least, through the, the previous five books. But I don't think we got eleven in the last book total. I think so. There's lots of POVs. There are, but not 11 of them, I don't think. Maybe, I think the only other book that maybe could have gotten it would have been maybe book 12? Not book 12. Book 2. I just added a 10. <laughs> I was going to be like, I haven't read book 12. Yeah. Because book 
2 had all of those like interlude bits that had like three points of view and they weren't always the same points of view because it was like Rand, Moraine, Elaine were the main points of view. No, Perrin was a main point of view. Moraine was not a main point of view, but she was one of the interlude points of view. But then we also got Nynaeve and Elaine and and Jeffrey Bornhold and Bors and Pedrin Nile, not Pedrin Nile. I'm really good with names right now. I have no idea. I don't remember the POVs in book two. Yeah, what's his face? The peddler. Why am I blanking on his name? He's a very important character. The dude with the knife. Why can't I remember his name? <laughs> Padden Fane. Padden Fane. There we go. Anyway, that book was book six. two. This is book six. Yeah. We start off with Demandred having an interesting time. I wouldn't say he's straight up having a bad time. He's a Forsaken. They're all kind of having a bad time no matter what. I mean, he's not dead, so he's I think not in dead. terms of the Forsaken, he's having a good time. And in terms of the Forsaken men, yeah, like cause... it's just him and Samuel left. In their original forms. Yes. Later on, we do get introduced to Osangar and Arangar, who... Are, I've figured out who they are, just by process of elimination. Yes, I, not necessarily like who's who. But which two Forsaken it is. Yeah. There's some play on it. It could be... There, it's, there's three possible people it could yeah. be. I'm pretty sure it's two. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure of the two that I've picked. That's pretty fair. We'll get to them, because they are a very interesting topic in the Wheel of Time yeah. as a whole. Not the greatest. I have thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to them. But first, Demandred. He's in Sheogul. I think this is the first time we see Sheogul. This is the first time the Dark One has spoken. Yes. He's good old all caps, man. All caps, man? Yeah, he speaks in all caps. Oh, does we he? We only listen to we the audio We only listen this time to the audio Because we listen to it in the car on the way back from a friend's wedding in North Carolina, and our car broke down. That, that's car, what we were listening to when our car broke down. Our car broke down three minutes left with the chapter. Yeah. We were, like, at the end... Uh, Shaidar Haran was like subtly threatening Osengar and Arangar with like a well you're alive aren't you and yeah. and then our car broke down in the middle of the highway yep not even on the side of the highway in the middle in the middle of the, of highway, the highway the center lane of the highway yeah anyway this is not a our car broke down podcast it's a wheel of time podcast and Demandred's in Shale Gould damn it. <laughs> He is noticing a lot of stuff. All the Forsaken do seem to be pretty, like, from the, like, snippets of POVs that we've gotten, they seem to be pretty observant. I, I'd say the two who've seemed the least observant have been Ishamael and Lanfear. They're the craziest. They are the craziest. In very different ways, but they're definitely the craziest. And they're also the most powerful. Like, individually, they are the most powerful Forsaken. I'm not sure... If Ashamael is so powerful because he just willed it into existence, he's got like a superiority complex. Lanfear doesn't. She doesn't have a superiority complex. She is as powerful as she thinks she is in ter- in yeah. relation to the Dark One. That's true. Because she's the one who let him out. She's yeah. the one who got to pick her own name. Like, Yeah, and not that Ishamael isn't powerful. He's as powerful as Luz Theron. But... He, he did pretend to be the Dark One. A little bit, yeah. So he's crazy in that way. Lanfear yeah. is just certifiably insane. Yes, yeah, And I'm going to say is, because no body, no crime, 
if she doesn't show up for four books, I'll, I'll pronounce okay, so her dead. By book 10, Lanfear is Lanfear confirmed dead. and Moraine, if I haven't dead. seen them again by book what 10. What if you see one of them but not the other? Then they're both alive. Then they're both alive. Yeah. What if... So here we've been introduced to the idea that really only one thing, two things, if you think about Asmodian, there are two things that make a Forsaken dead dead. Dissatisfaction, like Asmodian wasn't revived because the Darkman was like, hey, fuck you, buddy. Uh, and Balefire. Balefire is the only one that makes it impossible for you to be resurrected. Yeah. Dissatisfaction, that could change. That could change. Well, but it's not going to change after death. You don't do anything. The, but the and, but the Dark One could change his mind and be like, okay, but I do actually need Asmodian I, now, so I'm going to bring true. it back. There's only one thing that prevents you from being brought back, Balefire. and that's Balefire. Yep. There's an actual reason for that, too, which is pretty interesting. Like, your the, your thread gets burned back in time, and so you can't... The Dark One can't step out of outside of time. He wants to, though. He, he sort of... The Dark One's motivations are a whole thing, and we kind of have to, in order to, like, actually know the Dark One's motivations, we do actually have to get through the whole series. They are revealed, more or less. Oh, it's not just chaos It's not evil? just be evil. Okay. Well, it kind of is just be evil, but it's it's different. Okay. A little bit. Not, not so different that you'll be like, what the hell is this? It's like, it is still epic fantasy with, like, a very classic good versus evil fight, but, like... He's just evil. It doesn't really matter what he's... Yeah. He's not morally gray. You're not supposed to. The Dark One is not morally gray. All of the people are morally gray. You're like Thanos. You kind of can see where he's coming from in with his infinity stones and like what he wants to do. There are kind of a lot of people on this planet (laughs) and we're not treating it great. Do I want to do what Thanos did? No, that's not the answer. But you can see where he's coming from. That's why you make that's why he's such a good villain. That's fair. The Dark One is just evil. Dark one's you just can't evil. see where he's coming from. Yep. Which makes him a very different type of villain. Yeah. And honestly, having that type of villain, we're talking, we're not talking about what happened in the prologue, but that's okay. Having that type of villain, I think, makes the Forsaken a lot more interesting because they are sort of ambiguously, they, they're definitely evil, but they are not pure evil. Like, Asmodian showed that there can be some humanity to the Forsaken. They're they, the worst of humanity. They are the ones that you can kind of see, where, that you can possibly see where they're coming from. Right. They're still evil, but they're different shades of evil against cosmic, pure black evil. Yeah. Which is interesting. It, it's an interesting way to think about them, especially when, like, how effective are the Forsaken actually? Mm, not so much. I think so far Asmodian's been the most effective, at least plot-wise. Lanfear. Lanfear essentially killed Moraine. No. Moraine essentially killed Lanfear. Did she? Moraine tackled her through the doorway. Yes, but if you think about prophecy, Moraine was only acting, Moraine only did that because she knew that she did it. She knew that that was the only thing that she could do. So did Moraine do that or did Lanfear do it? Lanfear had a choice. Lanfear didn't know the future. She had the choice to go nuts and start to blow everything up. I'd say that that's... Once she did that, Moraine knew how it was going to go down, right? I'd say that's the pattern at that point then, not... But this is the fucking interesting thing about prophecy. And this is something that is like central to Dune as well, because I'll never stop talking about Dune. This is not a Dune podcast. It's not a Dune podcast. But once you know 
the future, right? And if, and if you've established that it is going to happen, do you really have free will anymore? I don't know. And that's not <laughs> the point of this podcast. It's not, but it also isn't not the point because the Wheel of Time is asking these questions a little bit. That's true. With, very directly with the doorway and also with the prophecies of the dragon. But that Part- makes my brain hurt. And we should talk about the prologue. <laughs> We should talk about the prologue. Okay, we'll talk about the prologue, even though I could probably talk about this one topic for hours and hours. And pro- <laughs> also why already, I think we should talk about the prologue. I already have talked about it for hours and hours. Demander the Shale <laughs> And he's there to meet with the Dark One. He's on the page. He's on the page. Actually on the page, not a Shamael pretending to be the Dark One. Yes. And he is going through the, like, town at the foothills of Sheogul, which is already noted that, like, there's some reality warping going on here. Yeah. It's very evident when they get into the boar. There's, like, weird creatures that aren't actually creatures. They're shadow spawn, essentially. Or more like golems. Yeah, that's what I... Like, they have purposes and... Yeah, they're they're the forgers. They make Murdral's blades, which are apparently have some sort of association with being quenched in the blood of their enemies. It's not really sure, like, it's not shown what happens to the woman who gets taken away. But... But she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. She's 100% dead. They need to make a new weapon, and they bring her back, and there's a scream, and then she's dead. Yeah. So something, something goes on. Yeah. This is, so after that, he goes into the chamber, and this is where the reality warping is the weirdest, because the... He notes that the, like, chamber or the pathway down to, the, like, the chamber where the pattern is at its thinnest and the Dark One has the most influence over the world doesn't change in size. The height doesn't change, but the, like, spikes on the ceiling, they're like little rocky spikes, come closer to your head. It's it's kind of mind-bending. Intentionally. They, they're, like, just barely brushing the top of Demandred's head, and he has to, like, hunch over and not get poked by him and he's like this happens regardless of how tall you are this this pathway is this height for you no matter what and he realizes that this weird merdral that he's coming down there with shaydar haran hand of the dark the spikes are like a good hands like a good hand above this merdral's head like this merdral is not not being fucked with by this passageway at all so something's weird this Murdral seems fancy. It has a name, and it's in the old tongue. And one Dave. of the things... It's not Dave. Yeah. It's not <laughs> Dave the Murdral. Maybe it is Dave the Murdral. Maybe. Maybe we've been seeing Shadai Haran all along. Dave. But, yeah, there's something up. Murdral names are almost always in the Trolloc language. And, notably, this one doesn't seem to give a fuck what Demandred thinks. Nope. He tells it to leave. It's just like, okay, no. I do what I want. Pretty much. He's got the Ron Swanson permit. Yep. And anyway, this this kind of meeting between Demandred and the Dark One is where we learn that Robin can't be saved. Yes. Explicitly, Robin cannot be saved. Which plays into my logic for how I got to the two people I think. Yes. Shingar and whatever. Yeah. Are. And then the the Dark One asks Demandred to start just kind of using Balefire with abandon. He's like, well, Robin did it, so... Yeah. Go for it. And Demandred's thinking, like, and and it's kind of weird to see a Forsaken, like, hesitate to do something. And he's terrified of Balefire. Yeah. He's like, I don't want and to do this. It's, it's really weird because we, 
we have no reason to like really understand like understand the actual implications of using balefire to that extent right moraine went on about it moraine has said stuff about it but we've been told not shown what overusing balefire does and here's another here's an instance of us starting to be shown a little bit because demandred a forsaken and a rather ruthless one that has like a visceral like ah god reaction to it internally because every character in this series has like masterful control over their external expressions yeah they're all yeah resting face yeah time and i just i don't remember it's been a while since we actually listened to this does the dark one actually tell demandred here to let the lord of chaos rule i think he does i think that's where this quote came from yeah so he says the title of the book Either that or it's the other Forsaken's part. It ha- that it's, whole, it that whole said let in the, the chaos rule yeah. is said to one of the Forsaken. Demandred later relays that message to the other Forsaken. Is it Demandred or yeah. is it... It's Demandred. It's, we're in Masana's point of view. But Demandred says that he was told to let the Lord of Chaos rule. Okay. Which I guess plays into Balefire. Which is interesting because you, you'd think like... One of the things about the Dark One is, is he's, like, Lord of the Grave, right? And clearly, Balefire, like, prevents him from doing something with the souls of dead people. Yeah. Because he's able to shove whoever Osengar and Arangar are into new bodies after they die, but not Robin. Yeah. And therefore not, uh, what's-his-face that Moraine Balefired? Bilal. Bilal. So, yeah, like, there's something going on there. I don't know what it is. Like, if Asmodian had died via Balefire, I'm assuming... Asmodian, since he sort of kind of betrayed the Dark One, not like willingly, but he did, and the Dark One doesn't seem like the type to care about that minor distinction. No, he's kind of black and white. Yeah, I am assuming that Asmodian's soul is getting tortured. Probably. So like, would Balefire offer him some protection against that? Would it be worse? Like, if if you've been Balefired, do you have an afterlife? If you can't be brought back... You can't be brought back, but that doesn't mean you can't be reborn. They're two okay. different things. So if you can be reborn, then you have an afterlife. I I would assume. As long as, like, it's it's weird. Like, I don't know who does or doesn't get an afterlife. Because all wolves do. They all have afterlives in the wolf dream. Yeah. Heroes of the Horn do. Because they're just reborn as different people time and time again. But then when they die, they're back in the world of dreams. As in their they're, like... Body. Not it's not their original body. It's there their like because like, the the wheel is a is a wheel. It's a circle. Is that the first time they were ever born? I feel like it's the one that they are known for. Right, but who's to say that's their first? It's maybe the one that made them a hero of the horn. Yeah, and their original hero of the horn. Form. Yeah, which actually I'm I'm thinking about some questions here, and part part of it is informed by me having read Brandon Sanderson, where. The cognitive realm is a thing, but are the heroes of the horn just, like, people's thoughts about what the heroes should be? Because it's the world of dreams, which is shaped by people's thoughts and emotions. But they're also real people. They're real Brigitte people. It's gets not... born. Yeah. And, they, like, there's legends about her written in text. Yeah, but how much of those legends, how much of people's perceptions of those legends shape Brigitte as a person in the world of dreams? structures yeah it's a whole that's a whole big thing that is difficult to pull apart and actually when we eventually get to the cosmere you the the cognitive realm is also a very interesting thing this is not a brandon sanderson it's not a brandon sanderson yet yet. that's true in 
eight. A few years. In a few years. <laughs> it will be a sort of Brandon Sanderson podcast. That's true. But in relation to the Wheel of Time. That's true. Anyway, let's move on to the next point of view because there are a lot of them. Yes, we have we have Nynaeve and Elaine. We can kind of talk about them at the same yeah, time because it's the same timeline. Yeah, they're both in Saladar and we're not with Nynaeve or Elaine for very long. Yeah. We get kind of confirmation that they wrapped up the events of the uh, the previous book. Yeah, Morgidian has been captured. Yep. And she was Merrigan. Yes. Which was one of the three women. Yeah. With... Nicola and that other woman whose name I don't remember. And Merrigan's children are obviously not her actual children no. because it's Mogidian. Yeah. So poor kids. I don't know if they were already orphans they or were, if they were made orphans. That's true. It was Mogidian, maybe. Who, she just was like, oh, well, your mom's dead now. Is it that, like, did. Or is Mogidian those... the reason they're orphans or did she just take these poor orphans? Mogidian's and... not, like, useless with compulsion. Maybe the mom's still alive, and Mogidian just compelled the children to go with her and think that their mother's dead. That does she that does seems say, more. She does say that they're orphans, and but she Nynaeve, Nynaeve is wearing the bracelet though. No, that's true, and so she can kind of tell when Mogidian's lying. So that's true. There's a bracelet. Yes, Elaine I... was able to make the Adam. Yeah, they gloss over that. Like she's able to make a freaking Turangriol, like right. several. She makes several Turangriol. Yeah. And one of the things in this section is that, you know, all the eyes that I in Saladar, the little tower, they're calling it, are, they're all like all abuzz with all the things that Nynaeve and Elaine are discovering. And almost all of them are coming from Mogedian. Except for the Turangriol. Except for the Turangriol. It's like, go Elaine. Yeah. Good job. So she makes the Turangriol, she makes that um, without the leash part. It's yeah. just the bracelet and the necklace. And so she's always able to have... Is she always wearing it, or does her do her and Elaine switch off? I think she is always wearing it. I feel like because in the or, end of last no, book, not always, in the end of but, last book, they were talking about her trying to get over her block, and she's like training with an with yeah. a, another accepted who yeah had to get over a block, and so I feel like she at least probably takes it off for that. She probably takes it off for that so that she can actually get over her block. That yeah. sounds like a naive thing to do. Yeah. This is a relatively neat sidestep that I wish had happened a book earlier. Yeah. Because, like, it's it's okay that Nynaeve has a block, but what isn't okay is her being kind of useless for it for a whole book. You mean for four whole books? I would not call Nynaeve useless in books one through four. She's barely Two through present. Five. Two through five. Two through five, that's four books. That's true. I would not call her useless in books one useless through four. Useless in terms though. of channeling, though. Yeah, but in the first book. And she's always complaining about it. See, the, like. Yeah, the complaining about it is the bad part. I like it, the, 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 the block needed to go away several books ago. Yes, and this is. Just like Matt's thing, if they had stuck Matt with the dagger for too much longer, I would have been like, all right, really? Oh, yeah. Like, I get that this is a 14 book series, but also you didn't know it was going to be a 14 book series. When you wrote it, so why are you taking so much time? <laughs> yeah. Also, like, when I looked at the, like, internal flap for this book, and it said, like, the sixth in a ten book series. <laughs> yeah, the sixth out of a planned ten. It went on for four more. Because <laughs> we got this at, like, a used bookstore, so it's, like, a, a more original printing. Yup. Now, to be fair to whoever wrote the cover, 
Robert Jordan only planned before he died for 12. Brandon Sanderson got the notes for A Memory of Light and was like, I cannot do this in one book, so I'm going to do it in three. Which, uh, and then he wrote like a couple of Stormlight books that are very long. I think that's a Brandon Sanderson problem. Maybe Robert Jordan could have gotten it done in one book. No. Brandon Brandon Sanderson is a generally more succinct writer than Robert Jordan. You can be succinct and wordy at the same time. I know because I am succinct and wordy at the same time. My sentences aren't very flowery and I'm not very descriptive, but it does take me a while to get to a point. That's fair. That's why I can't write short stories or novellas. That's fair. I mean, that's honestly, like, I I like Robert Jordan's wordiness. I don't. <laughs> Mostly because of the commas, I get lost in a sentence. It makes more sense when you're listening. It does. You've because, listened to it more than... Yeah. Well, I have not recently. listened to it more than I've read it, because I but would have to spend... It, once you read it the first time, time yeah. you, know what, you know what it is. Yeah. And, like, I mean, he uses commas like pauses in talking. Anyway, Nynaeve's in Salatar. This is Tangents, the episode. She's investigating Swan and Liana's... Stilling. Stilling. And they do still have some sort of connection to the power. There's something... She can feel like a cut edge. And when she has them put on the bracelet, they can feel Mogidian's Yeah. They can't use it. They can't use it, but they can feel it. And I, have they tested it on someone who can't channel and they weren't able to feel I, anything? Oh, yeah. They had Brigitte do it. Yeah, they yeah they did. So I was like thinking they had to have someone who knows. They had Brigitte put on the bracelet and she's like, okay, why am I wearing this? Interestingly, there is one type of person they have not tested. Or one type of potential Sidar wielder they have not tested. They tested somebody who cannot channel. They tested somebody who's been stilled, obviously, Nynaeve is using it, so they know that somebody who can channel can use it. They have not used it on somebody who's been burnt out. Are there people walking around that are burnt no. out? No, they kind of all get shunned. Because my only experience with burning out via the power is the show. And <laughs> I don't think any of those crispy women. No. Which I think is unnecessary, given what I know from the books, that you can just burn out and it's like sort of like stilling yourself. Yeah, you can burn the ability out of yourself. It's often... And you're not some sort of... It is... It's rare that somebody... Yeah. It's rare that somebody burns out and doesn't die. But it could happen. Like somebody who investigates a Turangriol. The Turangriol could burn them out. That was one of the risks, right? Okay, wait. In book two, when Varian is giving Egwene the dream Turangriol, that's one of the risks, right? Is that you burn yourself out? Yeah, you can burn yourself out. Or the Turangriol can burn you out. It's one of the risks of the accepted test, right? They tell them, don't channel, because women have channeled, and they've either disappeared or been burnt out. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see a, a burnt out woman use a Adam. To see. Just to see what would happen. But they're not going to do that. No, well, they don't right. really have access to one. Right. And I, I kind of wonder, like, is there a difference for healing it? Like, can you, if... Nynaeve figures out how to heal Stilling. Can she then figure out how to heal someone who burnt out and didn't die? Right. Speaking of that, do you think she's going to be successful? I don't know. It is portrayed that, like, Mogedian doesn't seem to think that it's possible. Granted, Mogedian is like, I don't know anything about healing. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, 
I can see it being a cool thing character-wise for Nynaeve to be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I think world-building-wise, it would be kind of lazy. How so? You can just, like, retcon stuff you did. Okay. Like, you've already you've already got main character disease. You do already have main character disease. Which can you can use to kind of just explain things away. Yeah. If, if she's able to later figure it out, it just seems like a way to be like, all right, well, now we can... You can just still and gentle whoever you want. You can, yeah, you can still and gentle whoever you want, or like, ah, crap, I wrote myself into a plot hole and I really need this person to channel. Nynaeve figures out how to fix that. (laughs) I would say, like, right now it doesn't feel like Swan and Leanna need to channel. Like, if he, if he's done with them, they're just gonna die. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it just, it, it doesn't. What about the vision with Logan? Like, he's got some sort of glory ahead of him, according to men. That doesn't have to be channeling. Fair point. Also, like, maybe if Nynaeve does figure it out, she can only figure it out for her half of the source. That's true. Or for the other half. Because they kind of work. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's the whole, like, yin-yang thing. There is the whole yin-yang thing. I feel like it would be even worse to be able to heal male channelers. Like, let's not do that. (laughs) Like, they go nuts. Yeah, the power turns them nuts. That's fair. Or if she heals them, are they no longer tainted? Well, the, the the power is tainted. But are they somehow able to draw untainted power? Like who knows? I don't know. That would also that's fair. Seem like a loophole. I don't know. It did, and this this series doesn't seem like one full of loopholes, except for Taviran. No, Taviran is the loophole. Taviran's like, hello, I am a loophole. <laughs> yes, you get one. Before or, I start going. Or three. That's like speed force. That's fair. Any any speedster has access to speed force. That's fair. Anyone can be Taviran, but you get one world building thing that is your loophole. Any after that, I'm like, all right, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Elaine's stuff in Saladar. They are going to her home. The they I said I. They're... She is not, and she's she, upset about it. Yes. They're like, no, I you can't go. I think kind of rightfully so. I I don't think she should go. I don't think she should go, but I think she... I mean, no, she's rightfully upset. Right. I think by rights, she's she's the, the fucking queen. Yeah. Like, like does who, she know her mom's dead? I think, dead? I think cool. she think. I mean, yeah. Or else they wouldn't be sending... A envoy to to Rand, right? And she doesn't believe that Rand killed her mom. No, of course not. No, only idiots would believe that. AKA Gawain. Gawain's an idiot. A little bit. Gawain's kind of, real dumb. He's kind of a himbo. <laughs> Gawain is a hundred percent himbo. Gawain <laughs> is less himbo than Galad, who like Galad. Galad is not a himbo. Galad's got the looks, but he's got a little too much of the thinky thinky parts. <laughs> right, and he's not. He doesn't have just like an unwavering respect and love for women. That's the that's the himbo trifecta. He kind of does though. Looks, n- no thoughts, just vibes, and respects women. Galad definitely respects women. In a weird way, I would, though. I would argue that of all of the characters in the Wheel of Time, Galad respects women the most. Yeah, maybe, but he just respects respect. He's not respecting, he's not, he's not a simp. And I say simp in the affectionate way, not the internet, like, simp is a bad word now. He definitely is not. 
Gawain no, is, is a little is, bit, he's especially a he's especially a for like Egwene and Elaine. Yeah. Which is like it's weird to apply that word for him towards Elaine because like ew. But he does love his sister. To like a fault. Yes. So and he's a simp for Egwene. So he, yeah. he he makes the himbo trifecta. Maybe that's why I love him so much. I do love a good himbo. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Elaine's upset because she doesn't get to go. And she convinces Min to go. Yeah, well, I think Min was going to go anyway. Min's been asked. I don't think Min's made up her mind at this point. And this is after they've had like, they've had the conversation about like, they've hey. They've been talking. Uh, Some hey, time has passed. We're both. There's a third one out there somewhere. Yeah. And so then they have a, they have a talk about... Min is going, and Elaine's like, no, you do actually have to, like, you have to go give him this letter. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Elaine and the letters. <laughs> Poor Rand. And <laughs> there's just this whole funny thing that they're talking about, the third of Rand's women. Yep. And they're just like, we'll just split them up like a pie, and the third can have the crust when she shows up. Yep. I believe Avienda has had more than just crust. Would you say she's had some filling? <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> igloo. A little bit. A little, little bit of igloo sex. A little bit of igloo sex. Really good for making pies. <laughs> of a very specific sort. <laughs> Yikes. Or not. I don't know. It was consensual. Yeah. They needed to warm each other up. They needed to warm each other up. Anyway, Min's going to Camelin. And they're, they've That's reached about, an understanding in relation yeah. to Rand. They're okay. They're friends. I think they. I think once they figure out Avienda is the third yeah, one, Elaine will quickly come to that same yeah. agreement with Avienda. Min's gonna take some time because she's never met Avienda. Yeah, I, it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of Fran's women is only okay because they're okay with it, and a lot of them being okay with it happens off page. Like clearly, Min and Elaine have had a lot of conversations about this, and yeah. Neither of them come from like polycentric cultures, so it took them time to kind of right. adjust to it. And they're still adjusting to it, but they're like, "Okay, it's you. I like you. We're cool with it." But it, all that happens off page. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, you don't need to. You don't need to read all of these polyamorous negotiations. You don't. But then, like, becoming friends happens off page in book two. Yeah, it all happens off page. But and that is something that I think the show could improve on. Yes. If they give it the fucking time. Like, why do I feel like they're going to cut that and just skip ahead to it? And like... Because they probably are going to. Uh, that's where you need the, you need to spend. You need like an episode five. Did we even five. get the actual prophecy in the show that Rand has three women? No, that doesn't happen did. until book two. But he met men and got some visions already. Oh, yeah, no. We and did, that did happen in book one. We did get... Uh, the vision about him having three women in the show. Okay. Yeah, because that does that prophecy does have yeah. happen in It happens one. in Berylon, but in the show it happens in Faldara because Min is in Faldara. Yeah. Because they just kind of they just cut chopped it. it up and rearranged it. Which like you gotta do that. Because you don't That's need okay. a bunch of traveling. They you, traveled too much. They traveled too they tra- much. They tra- they, they, sh- they too shouldn't much have time cut Berylon because giant illusion moraine is pretty funny. Giant illusion moraine? Yeah. It's, it's an early book weirdness thing where they get stopped by white cloaks on the way out of the city and Moraine's like, fee-fi-fo-fum, I'm, I'm a misty illusion giant and steps over the gate. I do not remember this. 
That happens. That sounds like a fever dream. It's weird. I do remember the tornado water thing that she sinks a boat. Yep. I do not remember the fee-fi-fo-fum. No, she, she like channels an illusion of her being a giant stepping over the thing to scare off the white cloaks. I do not remember <laughs> that whatsoever. It's when they're leaving Bear Law. Okay. Because, because Rand, in a channeling fever, chucked a rock at a white cloak. Yeah, And then right, Matt was there just stirring some shit. I mean, Matt does stir some Matt shit. Matt some shit. I wonder what he's up to. We didn't get his point of view. In we this. did not get his point of view in this. And we, we did do. not get Rand either. We didn't get, we never get any of the main characters. Any, we never get any of the three boys in the prologue. But we got an update on Perrin. We got an update on Perrin because we get Fayil, who is after Elaine. So we could talk about that. Uh, Fayil, who we get kind of what's going on with Perrin. Through. She's holding court because yep. it's Perrin's job now that he's a lord, and he's not a lord, but he's a lord, and yep. she's holding she's court holding instead. Court. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the scene in Princess Diaries too, where that is Mia has to definitely hold a movie court. I've seen, and there's like she's just like talking to townsfolk, and they come with come to her with like problems. Yeah, that it's, was it's that. The, the point is that, the point of this whole thing, because we don't need to go through all of it, because it's just, it's a bunch of... It's just a bunch of town folk problems. Right, There's some women fighting about a man, and and Fayil is just exists. like, really? You're coming to me with this? Go to the Wisdom and tell her exactly yeah. what you told me. No, you have yeah. to go do it because I'm your lady. And she's going to smack you upside the head, because that's not my job. Yeah. It's the wisdom job to smack you upside the head. This portion of the prologue only exists to show two things. One, Perrin is not taking very well to being a lord. No. He's shirking his responsibility. He's drinking with his guards. He's just, he doesn't want any part of it because he's just a simple blacksmith. Yep. And two, it shows how the two rivers has changed. Yeah. Largely due to Perrin's toveranness. <laughs> Perrin yeah. just being there has kind of like shifted all it, of their mindsets to it's turning it from like a town to almost is starting to build up to be like an actual city. A little bit there. There's a complaint that Fael fields about the like a tile, like a roofing tile maker yeah. stealing business from a thatcher. Yeah, because all the people are making tiled roofs now. It's and like the hot new like, craze in the two rivers. She's like, I picked a thatched roof for this house. Is that not enough? Right. Like, I am the lady. Right. And it's like, there's like Domani people. There are like leftover tinkers. There's, you know, a bunch of, like a very it's diverse just, group of people. It's not just the stubborn two rivers folk anymore. Yeah. And this is something that I think we're, we, we talked a little bit about the show earlier in relation to like Min and Elaine's friendship actually being shown on page or on on in actual scenes but like this is one where i think some of the changes that they've made to the show to make it all around more cosmopolitan are going to give them some challenges later on to show the world in universe becoming more cosmopolitan yeah like it's gonna be more difficult and maybe they cut it and that's probably fine it's not completely necessary when you've got right. a shortened amount of time. Like, if I was trying to cut these book series down to, like, more book lengths that I would read, so, you know, like, 400-page books rather than 900-page books, this would be the stuff I'd cut. Yeah. I think the only 
challenge, not the only challenge, but one of the challenges faced there is how do you show parents to veer in nature well without some of this stuff? I think, I think you can still do it. I think you just show it by pure number of buildings in the two rivers now. Like you kind of get like yeah. the, two, the view of the two rivers and then you just see how foot par- footprint wise is yeah. how much it's expanded. Yeah. And people in different types of clothing. People in different types of clothing will definitely help. I mean, the Domani wear... Domani stuff. So that would be very easy to show. And, like, the costuming department, although I have complaints about everything looking too new, for some of the, like, cultures, that works. It didn't really work in the Two Rivers. Everything looked too fresh. Like, running over with a car a couple of times. Like, come on, costume crew. But... Like, the the Wheel of Time is definitely cleaner. It's not, like, medieval dirty. No. They clean themselves. They have hygiene. They have matches. Like, they have some level of technology. Right. Like, baths exist. But... Tam has a bathtub. They need to be more worn. So, but the costume design is excellent. Yeah. It's just the execution of the design that I'm kind of like, eh. Yeah, why is is Rand wearing an Old Navy sweater? (laughs) It looks cozy, It does look cozy. But, like, come on. Weather it a little bit. Was it actually an Old Navy sweater? I don't know, but it looks like you could buy it at Old Navy. Yeah. Anyway, it's one of the challenges, right? Like, Perrin's whole thing is that even when he doesn't want to be a leader, people flock to him as a leader. Yeah. And this this scene is showing some of that. I think Aram will help with that. And he's brought up, Tam has been teaching Aram the sword. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We really, I mean, like, it, it's really just that stuff with Fael. Like, Perrin is not engaging with being Lord of the Two Rivers, which is fair. He didn't want and it to begin And he feels with. Rand's pull on him. Yes. At the end of this section, Fael uh, and Perrin decide to set out to go. I mean, he's initially like, I'm going to go without you. You yeah. need to stay here because you're the lady and you need to maintain the town. And it's not him actually thinking that. It's, I want to protect my wife. Which, like, fair. Yeah. And she's like... No, I'm going with you. Yep. I'm going to either follow you or go with you. Which one would you prefer? <laughs> right. We also get some loyal. We do get a, a loyal, loyal mention, at yeah. least. He's around. He exists. They all were kind of initially scared of him. But now the children are, are like, they're having, like, story time with loyal. And like, and the mothers are sending all their children to loyal to have him read to them. I think... No character in all of fiction has deserved that as much as Loyal has. If at the end of this, Loyal is not like the Two Rivers librarian, I am going to riot. <laughs> I Assuming the Two Rivers still exists, they have to fight the last battle. I stand by what I said. <laughs> I want all of them to be happy and back in yep. the Two Rivers. And he Loyal... Can't, he can't be the Two Rivers librarian, though. He has to go back to the setting or else he'll die. That would be a loophole I'd be okay with them somehow figuring out how to fix. <laughs> That's fair. Unbreak the world. Unbreak. But Rand is destined to break the world a second time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Loyal has to go back home. But maybe he'll get to marry Aerith. Oh, yeah. That was cute. Yeah. You can read to, like, little Ogier children. As long as Loyal reads to small children in his library, yeah. I'm good. Because Loyal want, is the best and Loyal deserves everything. I want Loyal, like, holding a book in one hand and, like, somebody else's baby in the other. Yes. It's I need like that in the show. reading to this this child, not understanding why it's crying. Because <laughs> <laughs> humans are weird. Because humans are weird. And very hasty. Anyway, on to the himbo. We're moving down the list in terms of 
points this of view. This is all kind of one storyline. We get like some, it's like a chunk and it's all relating to the same thing. Yeah. Basically the overarching thing is Gawain and the Aes Sedai are meeting with the Shido. Yes. We to get do that, something. To do something. We get that via three point of views. Yeah. And I don't know, levels of badness, like Savannah's real awful. Galena's Black Aja, and Gawain's just dumb. Gawain is a himbo. We a love bit. a himbo. We kind of start with Gawain leading a group of younglings, and they're looking for Aiel. Yeah. They're looking for the Shido. And they see a peddler, and he goes out to like talk to the peddler so that they, Aiel don't kill him. Yeah. And the peddler tells him, oh, Randall Thor killed Morgays and... Elaine. He doesn't know that Gawain is yeah. Morghese's no son. No clue that Gawain is, yeah, Prince of Andor. No idea. And Gawain is just like, ah, I'm gonna kill Randall Thor. Rah. I mean, fair. Fair, but also like... I I don't know if it's just my slight love for Gawain. I can see where he's coming from in all of this. A little bit. Because like, especially when you look at him like a himbo. Like Kronk and Yzma. Kronk is a himbo, and we love Kronk. He is serving kind of an evil lady. Yeah. But he's a himbo, and so he gets a pass. (laughs) And he does end up righting his wrongs at the end of The Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. And then he opens a bakery. So Kronk gets a pass. He learns. Gawain, he gets a pass because he has some time. I mean, yes, he sided with Elida. Elida basically was there for his most of his childhood. Yep. If you're going to go with an Aes Sedai, are you going to pick the one you've grown up with or Swan? That's fair. And then if all the information you've been given is that Rand killed your mom and sister. But here's the thing. Gawain sided with Elida because Swan wouldn't tell him where Elaine was. So Gawain's whole objection to Swan is that he didn't know where his sister was. How did Rand kill Elaine in this weird world where nobody knows where she is? You'd think the daughter heir of Andor traveling with the dragon reborn would be bigger news. He's a little dumb. He's a little dumb. Killing his mom? Sure. A lot of people believe that. It's probably the easier thing to believe than one of the Forsaken. Well, there was news of her being with the dragon at one point. And that was the last he heard is that he she was off with Rand somewhere. Like she knows he knows that they were sort of involved a little bit. I think he does. Not really. The last news anybody concretely had of Elaine was that I think that they were in Tear. But then he was like, where'd they go after Tear? The peddler never said when Rand killed his sister. It could That's just be true. that now he finally they finally figured out that Elaine is dead. That's like, true. Or, you know, the world is like Okay, Morghese is dead. Rand killed Morghese. Oh, Elaine was last seen with Rand. We haven't seen her since. He probably killed her. Okay, sure. And I could see our beloved Himbo. Yes. And his narrow-minded quest on finding his sister. Yeah. Go and be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill Rand. There is one other thing we get from the Gawain thing, which is that he's convinced that Elida and the Tower just have no idea what to do with the younglings. So they just sent them along with the Reds who were going to go meet Rand just to get them out of the way. And he's not wrong on this one because in Galena's point of view, we later get that like 
they're gonna try to use the Shido to just get rid of the younglings. Right. Like, because everybody involved in this plan is a great person. God. Let's talk about Galena. Galena, we learn kind of at the beginning, is that of, of her section anyway. She is the head of the Red Aja. Nobody knows except for Red Aja members. But she's the head of the Red Aja. Yep. She's also not Red Aja. She's Black Aja, which is probably why a lot of the Reds we've seen, all of the Reds that we've seen, with like maybe one or two exceptions, have been Black. They've been Black Aja. Elida's the only one so far. Yeah. Well, and her keeper or whatever is not a Red Aja. Not Red Aja, but is Black. Yeah. So everyone surrounding Elida is Black Aja. Yep. I still don't think Elida's Black Aja. That's fair. You think she's just kind of being used? Yeah, I think she's being used because we've gotten her point of view. That's true. And unless she is a master of gaslighting herself, <laughs> she's not Black Aja. You would have gotten That's that fair. in her point of view. That is very fair. Now, it is noted that Galena is not the head of this envoy. There's a Grey who's in charge. But there are... Or there is another Black Aja in this envoy that is all going to see. Yeah. And Galena's not, like, the highest of the Black Aja, but she's pretty high. Yeah. So she's the highest of the red, kind of high up in the black, and all around not a good person. They're trying to ally with the Shido to do something to Rand. Not really sure what. They want to bring him back to the tower, so they want to capture him, I guess. They want to steal him or use him. Yeah. I, the Black probably wants to still Elina. I Elina. I don't think the is... Black Aja wants to control. Wants to turn him over to the Dark One. Yeah, they're gonna do the thing with the thirteen. That's true. They're gonna turn him. Thirteen Chandlers. Thirteen Murdral. Yeah, people have bad times. The I don't think Elida is dumb enough to still him. Like she knows he's the dragon. She just wants him. Capped up in a nice little box that she can take him out whenever she wants and parade him around. I think she wants to steal him. I, I, she might, yeah. She's a red. She's a red, and she's like a super ideologue red. Right. She's kind of like the galad of reds. Like, she just kind of is, <laughs> like, she is red I Aja. Think she, that is her code. I think galad... Galad has a very specific code. He's he lawful. Does. Elida he is, is lawful. lawful. I think galad, though is lawful because he thinks that's what a good person is. Whereas Elida follows the code of the Red Aja because it that's what she wants. That's why she's more lawful neutral. Yeah. And she's also willing to bend her code when it suits her. No, I think she's got a code. Yeah. She lives by it. I just don't think she... I don't think... Uh, yeah, she lives by it. I just don't think she's as strict as Galad, who, if Galad did wrong would turn himself in. If Elida did wrong, she wouldn't. Yeah, that's fair. Like, Either way. For all Galad's faults, he's doing them because he thinks that's what it, what makes a good person, not because it's what he wants. Yeah. His code so, is kind of impersonal. They've got codes. They do have Very codes. specific. Elida's got her code, and she's going to live and die by it. Yes. And that aligns with the Red Aja. It does. She's gonna still brand. It also aligns with the blue. Except for the gentle all men. No questions asked. Yeah. Which is just... Yeah. <laughs> Try to gentle men who, who can't actually channel but are just weird. Like Elias. Elias ran from the Aes Sedai because he thought the Reds were going to get him. Yeah. Anyway, Galena and the Tower Envoy, who are going to Kyrian. There's going to be two envoys in two different cities that Rand controls. The little tower and the big tower are going. Yup. 
uh, they are allying with the Shida to do something. After which we switch points of view to Savannah, who is just an all-around delightful person. She wants to capture Rand. Yes. Because Matt killed Cooladin. Marry him? She wants to, like, break him and then marry him so that she can use him, essentially. Sure. That's going to work for you. Yeah. It's going to work really well. We don't get a whole lot else from Savannah. No. She's kind of trying to bully the other wise ones around. We That's- Actually, we get some pretty critical stuff. Somebody gave her a cube, and the summary told us that it was one of the Forsaken gave her a cube. Just here, have a cube. That's a good old cube. Yep. I'm sure it's completely safe and, and not at all evil. Yeah, they're supposed to use it when they capture Rand. Yeah, that's totally a safe cube. 100%, very safe. It's just a pinata. It's got a bunch of glitter in it. Yep. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, if, if you if you think the pinata is... You know, a corpse and the confetti is blood and guts. Because, you know, Forsaken. I mean, yeah, that doesn't tell what all pinatas are. What kind of parties are you I going gu- to? I mean, I guess the wrong kind where they <laughs> give me candy. <laughs> and allow me to hit non-living things with sticks. I guess that's the wrong kind of party. You didn't get to go to the Dark Friend Social. I did not get to go to the Dark Friend Social. I mean, that is the type of pinata that would be at the Dark Friend Social. Yeah, I guess. It's just a picture of, like, Rand with, like... An angry, ugly face and devil horns. I yeah. guess not devil horns. Maybe they'd have, like, angel wings. Go full in on the irony. Yeah. Just, or like, Pat and Fane's birthday him. party. You do not want to go to Pat and Fane's birthday party. But that's what would happen at Pat and Fane's birthday party. No. Pat and Fane's birthday party has murder all nailed the walls. That's a bad time. That is a bad time. Rand Pinata? That could maybe be but a fun we, time. We haven't seen Pat and Fane in Since the last book. I guess we didn't. I guess we didn't see him last book. We saw him book four. Yeah, we had like some news of him or something. Didn't we? no? Yeah, the last time we saw him was book four. Yeah, he was in the two rivers. Yeah, and now I don't know where Pat and Fate is. Yeah, I am both okay with not seeing him, but also like, terrified. Where is he? Where are you? Where is the madman? Anyway, Savannah and the Shadow are doing something. They're hiding. They're kind of terrorizing the Kyrian and countryside. After that, we switch to Morgaze, who is very much not dead. Yep. Although, is not in a great spot. She's with this kind of, like... She's with King Alron of Amadisia. Kind of a creep. A little bit, yeah. And it's very strongly implied that, like, Pedrin Nile knows he's a creep. Pedrin Nile is Lord Captain Commander of the White Cloaks. And is the real power in Amadisia, which is made very clear... After he actually shows up. And it's kind of made clear, too, that, like, he just tolerates Alron's, I don't know, leerishness. He's kind of a sleaze. Yeah, yeah. Pedrin Nile tolerates Alron's sleaziness because he's a useful idiot. Yeah, basically. Like, Alron is like, ooh, maybe I can give you troops, Morgays. Maybe I'll give you help. I don't know. Let's talk about it. And Pedrin Nile's like, you're going to have to sleep with him, and then he's not going to give you what he wants. I'm the real power here. How about I give you some white cloaks? And it's kind of like, you're not asking for her to sleep with you in exchange for those white cloaks, but I don't know what you want. And I feel like that whatever Pedro Nile wants in exchange is worse. Is it said here? I don't think it's... I don't I don't remember if it is. I don't think it is. But whatever he wants in exchange is worse. At least like... Well, the, the thing with Alron is Alron? Morghese would have to sleep with him and then he still wouldn't help her. Yeah. Pedro Nile, I think, at least, is he's a white cloak, right? He's going to help her. He, he will, if he says he's going to do something, he's a white cloak and he's not an inquisitor. 
he will hold to his word. Right. He says he'll give Morgay's troops in exchange for something, and he will. Aileron is skeezy on two ends. One, asking that someone sleep with you in exchange for things is sleazy. A little but bit. But he also wouldn't give it to you still. So he's not, he's sleazy yeah. and he's a liar. Yeah. Like, but in terms of badness of people, you kind of just like, like, oh yeah, of course he wants me to sleep with him in, in exchange for stuff. That's just your garden variety generic shitty person. Yeah. Like. Pedro Nile is a schemer. Right. Like, like, you know what to expect from someone who's asking you to sleep with them in exchange for things. I will say, at least Pedro Nile seems honest. Like, if he tells you something, he means it. But he's scheming, and if he, what he tells you is the truth, but he's not telling me all of it. Yes, but he and Morghese can can play the game. They can. And they're both playing the game when they meet. He, like, gets some kit, some... White Cloaks to, like, not kidnap, but, like, sort of kidnap Languin and Talonvor. Yeah. To, like, just, like, walk in. To... Talonvor is going down, in my opinion, right now. A little bit. He's kind That's of fair. being a bit of a jerk. A little bit. There's clearly some stuff has happened behind the scenes. He does not approve of this whole going to Amadisia. Because he even he knows what it means to go to Amadisia, right? He knows that Morghese is not there to ask for help from Alrond. Morghese is here to ask help from Pedro Nile. And you don't want White Cloaks helping you. You don't. Maybe, like, if the if the White Cloak is Galad, maybe you, it's okay. Well, that's his... That's her son. Because Galad... And, and also, Galad's... Like, even, even if Galad were, like, chief White Cloak of the White Cloaks, if Galad helps you, he's not gonna... He, the price he's is gonna be up front. He's too dumb to scheme. I don't... He's not, he's not, he's not Gawain. He's not Gawain. But he's too dumb to scheme. I think he's too straightforward to scheme. He's straightforward to a fault. Yeah. Like, he's, he's intelligent. He's just not going to scheme. No. It's not his MO. No. He, would, he wouldn't even know how to. If someone told him to scheme, he would not know what to do. Right. He's very black and white. Pedro Nile, full-on schemer. I mean, I just, I don't want her to get help from the White Cloaks, but it does... In her point of view, I can see her thinking she needs it. She doesn't know what's going on. She could just walk right back into Camelin and Randall would, like, Rand would be like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> can you please take your throne? Yeah. He does tell Morghese two things. One, he thinks Rand is a false dragon. Don't know why he thinks Rand is a false dragon. Seems kind of dumb for somebody who's pretty smart. Yeah. I guess if you come at it from like a white cloak, like... All channeling is wrong, and it's reserved for the creator perspective. Then, like the Dragon Reborn is always a myth. There is no channeler who could be the Dragon Reborn because they would have to channel. They wouldn't be the savior. Yeah, it seems pretty dumb for a smart guy. It does seem pretty dumb for a smart guy. He also tells Morghese that Gabriel is dead. She has kind of conflicted feelings about that. Clearly, there's some compulsion still deep in her brain. Well, she doesn't know that he was a Forsaken. Yeah, like right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. The end of Morghese's section, we get everybody's favorite dark friend, Piter, showing back up. I did not remember who this was. He's in the first book. I think he's in another book, but he's definitely in the first book. He's the one who, when Rand and Matt are at an inn, he comes up to them, sits down, and is like, I'm a dark friend. He's... He's so dumb. He's also kind of a himbo. <laughs> yes, except... <laughs> A himbo for evil. <laughs> himbo for evil. 
Yeah, he's a little he's a little dumb. He's not. He's uh he's had empty no thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Had empty one thought. I am a dark friend. Dumber than a box of hair. Fighter yeah. is. Anyway, he's there with his uncle and they want to help more gays, apparently. They want to help her escape. I I don't know if it's just his earnestness. <laughs> Just fall for a trap because it's just like, this couldn't be a, this is too dumb to be a trap. <laughs> right, I think that's what it is. I think he actually wants to help her escape. And I can see, I could see how helping her escape would help the dark one. Because like, if more gays goes head to head with Rand, you know, like, yeah. they're just causing trouble for Rand. Yeah. That's what, that's, that that's kind of the whole dark one, or the dark whole dark friend mod of like, what they're going to do. Yeah. After Piter tries to get Morghese to accept help from him and his uncle, we get Pedro Nile's actual viewpoint. And we do get, like, a very, like, intentional, calculating man. Yep. He's letting Rand run free because he's get, it's going to unite nations against Rand. Doesn't seem to be working very well because Taviran. But Pedro Nile probably doesn't know what Taviran is. And it probably would be one of those things he doesn't believe anyway. Right. Well, he might not, because White Cloaks can kind of trace their lineage back to Arthur Hawkwing, who was probably, I'd say, fourth strongest Taviran under the boys. But maybe he's like the the last Taviran. He's like the one true maybe. Taviran. I don't think thing. I don't think Pedro Nile even knows what Taviran are. No, because it's not. a pretty weird thing to know about for somebody who doesn't like Aes Sedai. Yeah. Anyway, he is he's letting Rain run about. He also decides. Don't fuck with the Saladar Aes Sedai. Which seems weird, but he explains it very well. Which is that Arthur Hawkwing couldn't take the White Tower. Maybe if we let them fight themselves, they will weaken themselves enough that we can win. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, he is one of the great captains. Yeah. He's one of the five best strategists and tacticians in the world right he now. He also meets with Jacob Carden. Yep. Good old boars. Good old boars. Which is basically where it's like, yeah, just leave Saladar alone. Yeah. That's all with Pedro Nile. It's very short. Yep. Then we get another Forsaken. We, we're just all over the place in this program. We really are. And it's a lot of like background information. Plot happens, but I can see all of the plot that's happening is like set up for what the main plot of the whole book is, which yeah. is why it's a prologue. Yeah. And it's kind of what Robert Jordan does, where he uses the prologue to deepen the world, set the stage, and introduce viewpoints from characters that we haven't really seen. And we're and, probably not going to see again. Like, we're not going to probably see Masana or Damodrin no. a whole lot. No. And we also he also uses it to see, to show, rather, viewpoints that we don't get. And by don't get, I don't mean, like, people, but, like, positions, right? We don't get, in the course of the rest of the book, Forsaken. We don't tend to get white cloaks. We've got, know. no, we get white cloaks throughout the book. Not often. We, the only main book, White Cloak, that I think we've gotten has been Jeff from Bornhold in book two. Got a lot of Bornhold in book like four or two. We got some Dane Bornhold. But it's just been the Bornholds. And just in two books. And not even, whole, like, we get like maybe whole chapters, but like also like parts of chapters. Yeah. Like, it's not a very frequent thing. I would say they're about as frequent as Pat and Fane. For some of that, it's both. He was with. Close. Yeah, and Pat and Fane is a unique case. Yeah. Anyway, we're with Masana. There's like another little Forsaken Summit. They seem to do this somewhat frequently. And this is where 
we get the news of like let the lore of chaos rule. Yeah. And it's just Masana, Semarag, Dim Andred, and Grandal. Samuel doesn't get to know because he didn't show up. Yeah, Samuel was supposed to go there, but just didn't show up. And this it's is kind also... of like a well, if you don't go to class, you don't get information to pass the test. Yeah, Samuel has apparently like closed himself up. Yeah, he is not participating in anything. He is scared of Rand. Fair. Fair. Rand can show up with Kalendor at any moment. And he kind of Balefire happy. A little bit. A little bit. But. Samuel's not there. And this is like the majority of the living Forsaken. It might be all of the living Forsaken. Masana, Samarag, Demandrid, Grendel, and Samael. Five Forsaken left. The dead ones are... This plays into our next bit. Yeah, this plays into the the ones who who came back. The dead ones are Balthamel, Agador, Bilal, Ishamael. Mogedian's alive. Mogedian is alive. There's six live ones, six dead ones. Balthamel, Agador, Ishamael... Bilal, Asmodian, Lanfear. Are there 12? I thought there were 13. There are 13. Who's the 13th? Who am I forgetting? Who's the most forgettable Forsaken? <laughs> I don't know. It's going to bother me. You're usually pretty good at naming the Forsaken. I'm usually pretty good at it. I don't know. It, it took me like five minutes earlier to remember Patton Fane's name. So yeah, I'm clearly did. not on top of it today. Anyway, there's just a meeting and they're like, ooh, we're going to be spooky Forsaken. Yeah, the only ones missing from this meeting are Samuel and Mogidian. Yeah. And Lanfear. Because I'm not really going to pronounce her dead yet. <laughs> Nobody, no crime. Nobody, no crime. Yeah. The most interesting thing in this section, which is weird because I feel like we've been talking about this prologue forever, has been Osengar and Arangar, who are forsaken. They were brought back from the dead. Yes. And one of them is not very happy about it. I have thoughts. But there's two There's two of them. They're implied to be a pair. And so yep. let's go through the dead forsaken. Yep. To figure out who these Forsaken could be. We know one other thing about them, which is that they both can channel Sidene. Yes. Which plays into the thing about Erengar, who is in a woman's body. Yes. I have thoughts. The first thought, the most important plot thought, is who I think they originally were. So, okay. dead Forsaken. We've got Balthamel. Yep. Aganor. Yep. Ishamoyel. Mm-hmm. Bilal. Yep. Asmodian. Mm-hmm. Lanfear. Yeah. I'm going to put Lanfear on the list. They can both channel Sidene, so it's not Lanfear. No. Nope. We're also not sure Lanfear's dead, but... Sure. Confirm, can't be Lanfear. They both channel Sidene. Yep. Oh, Robin! Robin! Robin <laughs> is not the most forgettable Forsaken. Are, like, I think, like... I think we... Objectively, earlier... Bilal is the most fors- forgettable Forsaken. He's introduced and killed on the same page. I know. And yet we forgot fucking Robin, who's like the plot of like two books. I think I might have forgotten him because I'm thinking of my logic in figuring out who Osengar and Arangar are. And it can't be Robin. He was Balefire. He was Balefire. Explicitly at the beginning of the prologue. Which is like, why no more Robin. It can't be Bilal. So we've got yep. three possibilities. Yeah. Aganor, Balthamel, or Ashanavale. Yep. They are implied to be a pair. They're named names. as a pair. They're named as a pair. And it just doesn't make sense to me to have a Shamael come back. He's already died three times. He's kind of played his part narrative-wise. And why would you bring back... Like, Agenor and Balthamel both died in the same book. They did both die in the same book. And so it just makes more narrative sense if they died in the same book to bring them back at the same time. Ishamael and Balthamel seems like a bad... Like a weird pairing. 
Ishamael and Agnor seems like a weird pairing. Yeah. If Ishamael was brought back, or rather, let me let me. Well, and it's not this. Asmodian. Asmodian Asm- is another option. He was not veil fired, but they talk about. We Asmodian. didn't list Asmodian the first time either. We're really good at remembering the Forsaken. <laughs> I forget that Asmodian was Forsaken. That's fair. Because he just turned out to be sort of a cool dude. <laughs> yeah. But it's not Asmodian because they talk about Asmodian. Yes. And if so, if it was Asmodian in one of these bodies, then why would they be talking about him? Right. Same with Lanfear. They do actually mention Lanfear as well. Yeah. And so there's really the three, and it just doesn't make sense to me to bring Ishamael back. So. No. Would it make sense to bring Ishamael back alone? Yeah. Okay. Because there's two of them, it just. Ishamael and either Agonor or Balthamel just doesn't make sense to yeah. me. So, so I'm going with Agonor and Balthamel as okay. the pair. Yeah. Which means that one of them is in a female body. Yup. And it, it's a whole complicated nest of things. Because, like, they're using she, her pronouns, but it's very clearly he's not. Yeah. I don't know which one is which, but he isn't, I, like, he's outraged that he's in this female body, and so it's like, I don't, I don't like it. To say- It just, it feels, it's, there's some commentary on transness here that I just don't. Yeah. It just wasn't well thought out. It's unnecessary. I, I, yeah, it's unnecessary. Just put them, like, Yeah. This is not your narrative to tell. Robert Jordan. There is a plot point with Arangar that you you cannot do without doing this or something like it that would also be a problem because I, I, I've seen it a lot of different ways where essentially I get uh, the it's, implication it's here tough. is that it's a it it's a female body that can channel Right. There's there's some plot behind that. It's I don't un- think you need... I don't you, think it's you unnecessary. Need. It, this is not your narrative to tell. Yeah. This is not your story to tell, especially as a cis white man in the 90s in the South. Like, this is not a narrative that you needed to be telling. No. Yeah, and there's some extra baggage around, like, the Dark One did this. Yeah. Like, it's not It's not great. No, it's not. It's completely it's, unnecessary yeah. and, like, mildly transphobic. A little bit. And yeah, this could be something that they cut from the show, and I would. Be I fine really, with it. I I really think that they will. I, it would be. I I don't. They even did know cut down the number would. of. They forsaken. did cut down the number of forsaken. I I think. I think they could pretty easily cut out Balthamel and Agador. They could move Agador's stuff with creating the shadow spawn to Ishamael pretty easily. They already cut Balthamel and Agador in the show. I guess the we Eye of the get, World is... And we only get Ishamayel. Yeah, that's true. And they also name him as Ishamayel, which is... Yeah, and then they just recently, they did a, like, a cosplay guide. Yeah, where they also to, named him they as They also Ishamayel, named him as Which just, like, I... Oh. Uh, it completely spoiled something for me that I hadn't gotten to yet. I know. Granted, I think the, the what like... What was he even calling himself? In what? In books one through three before you figure out that it's Ishamayel. Balsamon. Balsamon, Yeah. I hadn't, I didn't know that Balsamon was a Shamael yet. Yeah. And like, it's a relatively inconsequential spoiler. And I can see why the show would just cut it for succinctness oh, yeah. sakes. But yeah, I mean, I'm just mad that I got spoiled. They could definitely cut Balthamel and Agonor. They could definitely cut 
Balal, the most cuttable of the Forsaken. He's Again, very, he you know. shows up and, and gets bail-fired on, like, a single page. But then they could also cut... They I don't think they can cut Osangar. Plot-wise, he's got some stuff to do that is very important. Bring back a different... It doesn't matter which Forsaken it was, does it? It does not matter which Forsaken it is. It, it just has to be a Forsaken, a Forsaken that was brought back. Yeah. So, like, the, it could be a Shamael. There... <laughs> Shamael is the only Forsaken it can't be. They could do with Robin. Actually, I think I think what Os- Osangar has to do would work very well with Robin if they just don't balefire Robin. But the, Robin has to be balefired because he brings balefiring Robin brings people back to life. Yeah, and that's how we learn like in very real ways what balefire is capable of. You mean emotionally crush Dallas on <laughs> a way to a wedding? Yes, that that is what balefire is capable of. What is with us listening to this book to and from weddings? I don't know. It's, it's just the number of weddings we've it's had. Just the number year. of weddings we've had, yeah. <laughs> We're getting to that point in our millennial lives. Yeah. We're millennials, that's obvious. We have a podcast. But <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I don't I they could combine them into one Forsaken and I do just, it that way. Th- this is unnecessary. It, it is, is unnecessary. Unnecessary. I I think he was void. he was trying, and I just don't think he should have tried. He should no, you just, don't. It's not your story to tell, especially just, if you didn't get a sensitivity reader. Like, just no. I'm gonna go with a big old no stamp. Yeah, that's fine on this one. Yeah, and that's where we end off in the prologue. We ended literally where Arangar was like, "Ah, I'm a channel," but then Sidane just wasn't available to them. Yeah, yeah, they can't channel. They're basically told by. Uh, Shadar Haran. That, they're like, not allowed to they're channel. They're not allowed to channel. And wherever they are is implied to, one, not be quite the real world. Yeah. And the rules are a little different because Osangar at one point reaches out to try to, like, just to feel Sidene and can't. And it's not like being stilled or being shielded. It's just not there. Yeah. So wherever it is, is this, like, space outside of reality that apparently the Dark One has access to. Because Shida Haran's there. Yeah. So yeah. that's about it. That was a very long prologue. This was the longest prologue yet. And it's only like a fourth the size of the last battle. Last battle, last battle is so long. That is going to be a pain of a chapter to split up for the podcast. It won't be as hard as it seems. Why didn't you just split it into several chapters? Because it's the last battle. It's <laughs> supposed to be exhausting. If, the, if you're if you have a chapter that's the length of a book that I normally would read, <laughs> like what are you doing? Yeah, what? Not Robert Jordan. <laughs> you. What have you done to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say book fourteen all payoff. There's like no setup going into it. It just like the payoff starts and it doesn't stop until the end. That sounds exhausting. It's amazing when you've read thirteen books of setup. It's yeah. amazing. Anyway, we are not quite that far. We're not even halfway there. Um, This was just the prologue. This is just the prologue. Let's do some recurring segments. Visions and shit. We don't get any visions. No. And we don't really get anything that made me go, ah, that was a vision. No, it's a prologue. Min's in it. I think she, like, has an offhand comment about seeing some stuff, but nothing really concrete. Yeah. I think there was something that Lane's, like, always asking about her visions, so... Yeah. Nothing really. Yeah. No, not too much there. Ship updates. 
this is where we can get into the stuff with Talonvor that I don't really like. He Ooh, seems yeah. to be into more gaze and being a little creepy about it. Yeah, I think there's some stuff and more that happened. is like slightly interested. It just seems forced. It feels like Elaine flirting with Tom, Tom. unnecessary. That's fair. Why? I think what has happened here is there's some stuff that happened off page that we're not privy to. And it's one of the things with how Robert Jordan writes and how he world builds where stuff is happening even if you're not present to watch it happen. Which is where we come in with if you're not... Yes, show don't tell is helpful advice for writing. But if you're not going to show, can you please tell? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a little different for these prologue characters where, like, this is the only time we're ever going to see them, really. Except Morghese is not a prologue character. True. She's not not. I mean, she's, she she's was more a, main, a prologue character. She was character. a POV character in the last book several yeah. times. Like, once at the beginning, once in the middle, and once at the end. There was, like, a good four or five sections where she was POV character. I yeah, think that's big enough. That's fair. She is, at best, a tertiary character, though. But she's not one of those... She's not... The man who called himself Bors. No, but he's shown up more than she has, or about as much. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't like what's happening there. It seems unnecessary. That's fair. And weird. It's a little weird. And yeah. I, don't, I don't ship it. <laughs> fair. I think that's it. We do get yeah. a fun line from Nynaeve about now that she's back in her accepted dress, she kind of misses her uh, green dress, not because it's landscape or color. No, definitely. Definitely not. Not, no, not at all. Favorite moments. What was your favorite moment? I honestly don't really know. That's fair. It jumped around a lot. It's not really the kind of section that you get a favorite moment out of. I mean, I'm gonna. I guess I can go with either loyal being. Ooh, yeah, that's a, a librarian. Good that's a really good loyal one. story time. We do love a good story time with loyal. Yes. Or we do finally get paired and fight you back, and they're cute. We do and coupley. Yeah, I think. Plot-wise, I think my favorite moment is Damandred going to meet the Dark One. It's just, it's like meaty lore. Yeah. But also, the idea of loyal reading to children <laughs> warms my heart. Which we desperately need. So it's it's one of those two things. I, I don't know that I can really pick. Probably, I guess I guess if I had to pick, it's, it's Damandred, because yeah. it, we actually see that happen. Loyal, we just hear about it happening. There was a... There was, like, loyal wasn't even a word in the last book. No. No one talked about loyal. They talked about Perrin. They did talk about Perrin. Also, just say, where is, um, where the Aiel that were with them were not mentioned? No. Where are they? Around. Where's, where's Perrin's bro? Do you, do you think they're just hanging around at court? But, but the bromance. Yes. Perrin and Gaul exist. Where's Gaul? He's around. They haven't gone anywhere. Bane and Shead wouldn't leave Fael. Unless they I had to. I need a bromance update. I got a romance yeah. update. I got a loyal update. I need a bromance update. That's fair. Yeah, it's about... Yeah, a really, really long prologue. This, uh, this is one of the longer books, too. I think the only ones that are longer are The Shadow Rising and A Memory of Light. This one might be longer than Shadow Rising. This might be the this second is, longest. I think this is longer than Shadow Rising. Shadow Rising didn't feel that long. It was... It's one of the longer ones. It's like 40-something hours. It's like 40-ish, 40 and a half. I think this one's like 41 and a half. And There's some big boys. Memory of Light is like somewhere in the like 43 range. Big boys. I don't, I don't know offhand. These are books that I, I mean, this is a book I consider long. This is 
four of the books that I would normally read based on audiobook length, because normally audiobooks that I would listen to are like ten. I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah. I Usually I settle on about Eye of the World. Eye of the World's about 24 or so. That's about where I land. Of course, Stormlight books. I think Stormlight... Like 80 four, hours? No. Stormlight 4 was like 50, though. It's too long. It's very long. I love them. Anyway, this is the prologue. Next episode, we're doing chapters 1 through 5. We're doing the actual book. We're out Yay, of the prologue. we're out of the prologue. Yeah, so we'll see you in two weeks with episode 2. Bye. Bye.